Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, data with a special edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. SummerSlam is just 24 hours away. SmackDown gave us an incredible go-home show, and minutes after SmackDown went off the air, you flip that channel to TNT and CM Punk return to the world of professional wrestling. This is a SummerSlam go-home show, but it's a CM Punk welcome back show as well. We have plenty to talk about on this podcast. We're going to keep it short. We're going to do the best job we can to get you in and out so you can listen to this episode before SummerSlam on Saturday. But this is Getting Over, the wrestling podcast. Vintage Chris Vanini is here. He'll be with us in a minute. We're talking CM Punk. We're talking WWE SummerSlam. We're getting over, damn it. We're keeping it real up in this joint. Before we get to any of that, you guys know the drill. Getting over is all about one thing. So please leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let people know how much you love the show. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast to join our live pre-shows and all of our polls for the next two days for SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver. And folks, we are two-thirds of the way towards our goal for contributions, for getting over to keep us going, to keep us uh, you know, hosted so that way we can upload all the shows. If you want to contribute, at Adam Silverstein, S-I-L-V-E-R-S-T-E-I-N on Venmo, or you can visit my personal Twitter profile, at Silverstein Adam, and make a donation or a contribution. I should, should say we're not a charity, uh, but you can make a contribution uh, via either Venmo through there. There's a tip jar on the Twitter profile or PayPal as well. Okay, that's all out of the way. We're going to break down the schedule of what's to come here on Getting Over over the weekend at the end of the show, but it is time to talk CM Punk's return to wrestling. I'm welcoming in Chris Vanini right now. Chris, we're going to start with how AEW Rampage started, and we're going to break it down piece by piece, and you're going to be able to interject a lot. The crowd was screaming and chanting CM Punk immediately as soon as they got on the air, and AEW made the obviously smart move to not waste a second opening with Cult of Personality. You heard it at the opening of today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And CM Punk's return to pro wrestling. He screamed, let's fucking go, as the Chicago crowd went absolutely wild. Commentary completely laid out for the first few minutes, which is exactly how you treat a big moment like this. Not just in wrestling, but in sports. The best sports commentators of all time know when to lay out. It was purposeful here, you could tell. They made the right decision. The chants were deafening. And Punk even did a stage dive into the crowd. We can debate how intelligent that was, given what's happening right now. Uh, But Chris, this was one of the greatest pops of all time in professional wrestling. I'm not going to go so far and say it was number one. There have been incredible pops in the history of wrestling. But this is up there. It's probably top 10, I would guess, without any doubt. I had chills. Um, It was a unique situation, of course, Punk being in Chicago, but this reaction would have been similar in basically any major city like that, a Chicago, a Detroit, New York, Boston, things like that. This was just an all-time wrestling moment. It was incredible. Goosebumps, chills, whatever you want to call it. Everybody had it there in Chicago. 
on your couch at home. It was the right way to start. It, it was. I saw some people say, is, is it the worst kept secret in wrestling? No, they leaked it on purpose. And no, and, right. And what I, I said, no, it's the best unkept secret. It was enough to, to, to make everybody want to watch because you knew it was coming. But there was just a little bit of how are they going to do it? And you wondered if they were going to just have some heel come out first and get some heat and then Punk comes out. But no, they go right to him. That's the right way to do it. Then they give you 90 seconds of commercial. for. So for anybody who was figuring out why Twitter was blowing up, they gave you <laughs> they give you time to come back. You could you could feel the way he was feeling coming through the screen, the camera shots up yes. close in his face. That was a real moment. That was I criticize AW production a lot. That was a great job. It was of, very similar. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, very yeah, yeah. similar to Edge's return at the Royal Rumble. Yes. Very yeah. similar in terms of you felt the emotion that the wrestler felt at the same time. Yes. They they, yeah. they nailed every part of this. They did. Uh, so let's kind of get into what happened after that. Because this moment, that moment was enough. The truth is, he could have walked out, done that, grabbed the mic, said, I'm back, dropped the mic. And they could have said, we'll see you on Dynamite. And honestly, it would have still been great. But, you know, the fans wouldn't have been extremely happy. I wanted to touch on the thing you said, uh, the, what did you say, the best unkept the best secret. unkept secret. In wrestling. First of all, that's a great way to put it. I love that. And it's true. They leaked this on purpose. There's no question in my mind because they were going to be in the United Center. Because they wanted it to be sold out. And they wanted to work their fans into a frenzy. If they did all of this and they kept it 100% secret, they would have had a great reaction. This reaction was better because everyone was expecting and anticipating it. There were teases. This is how you do professional wrestling. They absolutely nailed the moment. So Punk gets them. He gets in the ring. The chance finally died down a little bit. He grabs the mic and he was unscripted and off the cuff as we expected that he would be. He said he heard the fans chanting his name the last seven years but he needed to get healthy and he wouldn't have if he stayed in WWE. He never name dropped WWE, but he alluded to it numerous times. But if he stayed in WWE where he got sick, he recounted crying his last night in Ring of Honor in 2005 because he now, you know, retroactively says he left professional wrestling behind at that time. But now he's back. He said he was back for himself, but also the fans and the young talent in the back. The context of the promo was that WWE killed his passion and nothing he did there mattered. And the latter part of that, the first part of it, the former part, if he felt that way, that's acceptable. The latter part, I kind of think is total horseshit, right? I, like I agree. It, it basically made him sound like anything he did in WWE, which, by the way, fans loved, and where he built the entire fan base that cheered him tonight in AEW. Those people were not watching him in Ring of Honor. Maybe, ten percent. Maybe, yeah, not not all, most of them. Yes, and I'm going to say ten percent, being generous, to be honest with you. But you know, the vast majority of people there like and love CM Punk and are dedicated to him because they know him from WWE. So for him to kind of say that, and again, it was off the cuff, so maybe he didn't mean it in the way he said it, but it was completely untrue. Again, the pop tonight would not have happened for him if he didn't build up his fan base, have great wrestling matches, have great wrestling storylines, and be a great wrestler, and yes, superstar as well, in WWE. So 
We're going to talk about the second half of the promo in a minute. I have to say, I did love the promo. I did, truly. But that part of it, it took me out of it a little bit because it's like, man, I'm okay with you shitting on WWE because they deserve to be shit on, especially from CM Punk. But don't denigrate the work that you did there that was really, really good and game-changing while you were there. I thought that was strange. Yeah, I became a CM Punk fan because of WWE. I didn't watch Ring of Honor. I, I didn't watch. He got me back into wrestling. I got out of it at the end of the invasion. I, I, I started watching in, in 97. I got as a kid. I got out after the invasion because I just I kind of got more into essentially real sports as I grew up. And I came back to watch Raw 1000. And when they set up the Punk versus Rock match, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Punk turned heel that night on The Rock and it set up the Royal Rumble match. And I watched that. And that was really the first time I got back into wrestling with CM Punk. And my wife watched wrestling with me. Not my, was she? Yeah, she was my wife at the time. Yeah. And she watched it with me. We went to a Raw together. And then when Punk left WWE, she stopped watching. She came back to watch tonight. His work in WWE matters to a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, it absolutely did. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was, I get why he feels the way he feels 100%, but um, I, I just, I would just like it to be known that what he did in WWE just, again, mattered to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I stopped watching wrestling, you know, basically shortly after WWE bought WCW when I went off to college just because I was more concerned about things other than wrestling, like drinking and girls right. and things like that. Um, and, and college football, because obviously I went to the University of Florida, uh, you know, a, a good football school, unlike Michigan State. Uh, but that's besides oh, the right point. Right now, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's besides the point. But um, no, regardless. So my point is, I picked it up and I did. I kept watching WrestleMania and I did pick it up like senior year, I think, of college when I had my own apartment and I got a DVR for the first time. Uh, we're talking old school, right? We're old, you and I. Um, but I picked it up then and. I don't I don't know the exact years, but shortly thereafter, I wasn't really into it. I just I would tape Raw and SmackDown and I DVR my fast forward through them and see things that were interested in me. And I just kept going. But one of the things that got me into wrestling again, where I like watched every week and watched live, which I didn't do for a very long time, was CM Punk. So when he came out and said that, I was just like, I, I was like, you know what? Maybe he got carried away, whatever. But don't don't sell yourself short sure yeah cm punk yeah uh when you did great work there and people loved you there and the reason they love you now is because of the work you did there so i just kind of wanted to say that i'm glad you agreed with me i thought i was going to go out on a limb there but uh I'm, I'm really happy that you agreed so the second part of this uh punk called out darby allen who was standing in the rafters with sting we knew that was coming he said darby lives dangerously but there's nothing more dangerous than fighting him in chicago at all out, I would argue with that because I just recently watched the RVD doc on WWE Network on Peacock. I'm sorry. Um, John Cena fighting Rob Van Dam in the in ECW arena. <laughs> Nothing more dangerous than that. Okay, but this is second to it. Okay. Uh, Punk, Darby Allen. It's really cool. Um, I'm very excited for that match at a pay-per-view in Chicago. It's a no-brainer. They're, they are going to sell so many pay-per-views with that match. It's going to be great. Then he closed by saying everyone gets a free ice cream bar on him after the show. The analysis, Chris, of this entire thing is simple. It was perfect. Uh, Punk hit every single note and played into everything the fans wanted to hear by basically shitting on WWE without directly naming WWE. 
Again, I did take issue with one part of it, but that was a small part. The rest of it, the tone was perfect. Um, as you said, you could feel his emotion through the words he was saying, but also just the way he carried himself the entire time. You yeah. could tell it meant a lot to him. And you got to give credit to AEW also because they didn't just debut him at All Out, which they could have done, right? They didn't just debut him on a dynamite to pop a rating against big competition. They set up this show in this location, the United Center where the Bulls play. He's a huge Chicago sports fan. They called it the first dance, you know, alluding to the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Every single thing they did tonight for AEW Rampage was to show CM Punk that they're embracing him and to show the fans that they're embracing him and they know what they want. So it was pitch perfect. They absolutely crushed it with CM Punk's return tonight. Yeah, I mean, for, you mentioned the United Center. I'm 99% sure this tonight was the first time he was ever in the United Center as a wrestler because nobody runs that arena right. uh, anymore. WWE they, they runs... Um, All-State run, Arena? Runs All-State Arena, Rosemont Horizon, whatever it's called now. Yeah. WCW used to do United Center back in the day. So I, I, it might have been the first time he was ever there in the United Center. I'm sure that specifically mattered to him. And you talk about AEW making sure this matters to him. You know, when AEW launched, was it Cody who who had said he had been talking to CM Punk and it seemed like CM Punk kind of took umbrage with that and the idea that just having a talk means they're in any sort of negotiations and that was shortly after AEW started. And so, you know, you kind of you, you think why now? Well, there there's maybe a few reasons. One, he probably wanted to see if AEW was legitimate you know yeah, before, viable right viable before he jumped into something like that but also aw launched like not even a year after the end of the lawsuits he was dealing with with wwe and the doctor and stuff like that so when he when he talked about needing that time to heal mentally and spiritually i'm sure that's a lot of it because he 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 quit wwe in 2014 but after he released that podcast that thanksgiving he dealt with the lawsuit stuff for years and he yeah. even had Colt Cabana stuff uh, after that. And who knows how his relationship is with Colt right now. So it's not like he's been out of this for for seven, eight years. He was still dealing with stuff. And it's actually kind of wild to think back now. It, it, it got some attention at the time, but we kind of just kind of looked past it. But not that long ago, he was doing WWE backstage on oh, FS1. Yeah. Like he, I know he emphasized that he was working for Fox and not WWE, but he's working alongside WWE people talking about WWE wrestling. So you could uh, also tell though during that, I mean, he was never into it. No, like he did it but for the he, check. You know, he still chose to do it. And he, it was just, it was. He did. No, he made a big. They made a big deal of his return on that, and and so um, for for him to now be here, probably releasing his true feelings was uh, was, was pretty great. The only thing I want to say before we move on is I would have done the rest of the show differently if I was Tony Khan, if I was AEW, I would have built a stronger back half 30 minutes because you have an audience captivated with CM Punk. I'm assuming a lot of people watched this that had not watched AEW previously. Your wife is a perfect example of that. I would have immediately followed that match with a familiar face against a really good opponent. I would have done like the John Moxley match immediately next, so mm -hmm. that people who stay around after the commercial break and say, "Hey, what's next? You know, what else am I going to see?" See a, a huge star in John Moxley that they know from AEW. 
I mean, sorry, from WWE against another really talented person. Danny Garcia is talented, but someone more notable than him that's on their roster. They have plenty of other people that are more notable than him. I would have done that next. And then I would have saved that tag team match for the main event where you could go crazy and do all the crazy moves because it's late at that point. And anyone who's already stuck around and seen CM Punk and John Moxley is sticking around, you know, you would think for that as well. That I would have just reorganized the show a little bit, but it's really a nitpick. It's just a minor thing. Yeah, I mean, my thought was, you know, Punk talked about the young talent in the back, and that's what what, what do you want to do when you come out of it? You highlight Private Party and especially Jungle Boy, and I, I don't think Luchasaurus is a young guy, but but I, I can understand why they did it that way. But before we get into that, r- wrapping up here on Punk, two two things. One, um, WWE probably hates that. ESPN and the like are tweeting all this AEW stuff now, considering how long they spent time cultivating relationships to get ESPN to talk about wrestling. <laughs> and now their social media team just pulls every popular video there is, which means that they got a ton of AEW content on their uh, feed tonight. But the other is we talked about Punk's work in, in WWE and what his ultimate legacy is there. And WWE is a better place because he quit. If he doesn't quit, then Daniel Bryan probably does not happen. They probably just go forward with what they were doing because it was going to be Punk versus Triple H. And was Daniel Bryan going to get himself into the main event? I don't think so. I That Punk quitting woke up a lot of fans in a different way. And then later on, uh, as he released the podcast and talked about his physical health and everything, I think fans pay a lot more attention to and care a lot more about the physical health of the wrestlers. In, in a way that maybe they didn't think about it so much until somebody that they really liked really gave them the behind the scenes on how a lot, how do that, lot of that stuff works. And then you've got the lawsuits. You know, he talked about his concussion, and we've seen how WWE has responded to things since. So um, what he did in WWE matters, both what he did while he was there and what, and what he did on his way out. And I think WWE and wrestling really are better off for him doing what he did, even though it obviously brought him a lot of trouble in the, in the, in the following years. So uh, good on him for that in the end. And it was 2,766 days between CM Punk being in WWE on WWE TV, like as a wrestler and in AEW. So just really exciting stuff. So that is the CM Punk breakdown. We're going to talk plenty more about him on this podcast, I'm sure, over an extended period of time. And this may just be the start. There's rumors, obviously, that Daniel Bryan, Brian Brian Danielson may be headed to AEW inside of the next 30 days or so. Um, You know, obviously, Bray Wyatt is now a free agent. Braun Strowman is a free agent. Like, the game's changed right now. And WWE is truly vulnerable now for the first time in a long time. I, I did get a tweet from a listener, you know, we we are short on time, but Eldred Ryan uh, at Acme Tunes, A-K-M-E Tunes, he tweeted, that was the beginning of the end for WWE as a lifelong WWE fan. There's nothing that excites me about the product. They sent all my favorite wrestlers to AEW and killed my favorite wrestling brand. In NXT, there's nothing to look forward to. So that for me is a bridge way too far. Uh, yes. I do think WWE is vulnerable right now. No question about it, especially with CM Punk, if you add Daniel Bryan, if you add Bray Wyatt, like how do you stop AEW from like legitimately competing ratings wise, like in overall viewers and right. 
becoming the pre predominant wrestling brand, not sports entertainment, but wrestling brand. I don't know that you can stop them with this momentum. But to say it's the end for WWE, it's not. No, they no. are a multi-billion dollar company and they don't even rely on um, like money from fans to, to fund their business. It's really the TV deals at this point. To say there's nothing exciting about WWE anymore also is not true. There's plenty that's exciting. Is it yes. less than there used to be? Absolutely. But there's still plenty of things that are exciting, including yes. SummerSlam and TakeOver this week. Yes. And then killing your favorite wrestling brand in NXT. NXT ain't dead. Uh, the last two episodes have been fantastic. We got TakeOver on Sunday. I mean, we'll see what happens Tuesday if they do change things and whether they change for the worse or maybe for the better. But all of that is like exaggerating and talking maybe 10 years down the line. Uh, nothing has happened yet. WWE yes. is not dead. It's not the end. Uh, NXT is not dead. But yeah, WWE is absolutely vulnerable and AEW is taking advantage of that vulnerability. Yes, I, I would not be surprised if in the not too distant future, Dynamite takes over Raw in ratings. But WWE just posted record profits. They are not competing against, they're not head to head in shows. This is not the same as the Monday Night Wars. But not yet. It's okay to like both. You don't have to pick one over the other. That's my other point about not being head to head on shows. You don't have to like AEW and therefore dislike WWE. SmackDown is a great show. It was great tonight. We'll get into it in a second. Rampage was a great show. Friday nights are awesome now, and it's okay to like both. You're not less of a fan if you like both because you don't stand one billionaire over another. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan right now. You don't need to turn this into the death of WWE. No, but I mean, it is it is vulnerable. Like We are looking at a company right now. The company is not vulnerable. The product is vulnerable. The, the For fans, sure. That's what I said. I, losing yeah. fans. A, they are, they are a, vulnerable yes. to lose fans. Is what yes, they, they can yeah. They can overtake WWE in the ratings for sure, but that doesn't mean it's the death of WWE's company. Right, for sure. Exactly. And by the way, look, if Rampage is going to be this successful, I don't know what's stopping TNT from saying, hey, go to two hours, compete with the second hour of SmackDown. Like, that's possible. We'll, we'll see. That, that I, could I, happen. SmackDown know? being on Fox, being on a network, I think is, is, is a little bit different, but maybe we'll see. You never know. Yeah. Okay. So that's it with AEW. We're going to move on to the WWE SummerSlam, let's call it go home show portion of this podcast. So look, SmackDown, right? Definitely a very strong go home show. No doubt about it. I thought Chris Edge and Bianca Belair were the stars in terms of the way WWE put them over. Now, we'll talk about all of the specifics and get into the details of the specifics of what happened on SmackDown during our WWE SummerSlam instant analysis because we're going to feed it into the individual matches that we cover. But Chris, I mean, starting with Edge, calling back to the brood, having him say the line, dropping the dark blood on Seth Rollins, having the fangs in his mouth, I mean, I popped for that so freaking hard. Look, that that was the biggest return in pro wrestling tonight until CM Punk had the <laughs> return right. of the brute theme. Uh, they didn't get into the electric guitar part of the theme until the replay for some reason. They kept it on the spooky part. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh man, bring Gangrel back. That That's your response to CM Punk or something like that. Or do the entrance. It was just the bloodbath, <laughs> but it was good. It was good. It was, it, again, I would have liked something more, but it was good. It was just really cool. And uh, I mentioned Bianca Belair. So she had two singles matches against Carmella and Zelina Vega, who she both squashed. Again, we're going to get into details about that later. But this is coming on the heels of a report that came out Friday that there is now concern 
the Bianca Belair-Sasha Banks match will not happen after reports earlier in the week that that concern was not justified <laughs> and it will it will definitely happen. So this is PW Insider, which is a reputable uh, reporting outlet on WWE reporting both of these things. So I believe social media had photos of Sasha already in Las Vegas going to dinner out there with Bailey last night, I think, on Thursday night. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. I don't know if the issue is vaccination. Sasha did like some mind-numbingly dumb anti-vax stuff on Instagram a couple months ago, or maybe there's just a misunderstanding. There's rumors and stuff that aren't, you know, justified in any way. But this is a top three match on the show, Sasha Banks against Bianca Belair. And SummerSlam will definitely be worse without it. So when I saw that booking, I said, oh my God, they're both going to beat her. Like that could have been like the worst case scenario. Or one of them will beat her and they'll use that person as a substitute. But Bianca Belair squashed Zelina Vega, who has won nothing since returning to WWE, and beat Carmella relatively handily. She just looked dominant against her. So it was a great night for Bianca Belair. It takes Zelina Vega and Carmella and says, you are nothing. You are nowhere in any uh, main event title picture, right, for a, a singles championship. Go be a tag team or something like that. And Sasha Banks wasn't even on the show. She didn't do anything via satellite. Uh, they did mention her. They did promote the match. Obviously, WWE does do, quote unquote, card subject to change bullshit all the time. But it seems like the match is happening. I just, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Or what the real yeah, deal I, is. Yeah, I, I don't know. We, we can't say until the card happens on Saturday. But I will say that, you know, what have I, what have I been saying for weeks about months, really, about Bianca Belair and the way to get her over? Just make her do cool athletic shit in the ring you have to show us don't tell us don't don't ever do promos about how she's the best show us she's the best and what that's exactly what they did here i think that last week or the week before they did the same thing like getting bianca in matches and having her do awesome stuff and win that's how you get her over that that's how you show us yes. she's a star and that's exactly what they did here so that's why it made me hopeful that the match is happening because they've built her up as a big deal going into this match again so we'll see yeah, the only other explanation would be if they do substitute someone and they beat her, then that person suddenly looks like a big deal. Whether that's a Tor Tony Storm or a Liv Morgan, a returning Becky Lynch. I don't think that's going to happen, obviously. But I, I just, all this kind of happened today as the show's going on. And then I saw the booking and I'm like, oh my God, like this is going to be bad. There's going to be a two-on-one -on handicap match for the title at SummerSlam or something really shitty like that's going to happen. And it didn't. She just won both matches. Now, we'll get into on Tuesday's show the fact that there were five matches that were four minutes or less on SmackDown, which is just mind-numbing to me. Um, but beyond that, really, it was a good show. The action and the storytelling and the booking was good throughout the entire show. Like I said, Edge and Seth Rollins, they got more time than anything else. And that's great because, I've, as I've told you, it's the match I'm anticipating maybe the most or the second most on the entire card. The other one, of course, being Roman Reigns and John Cena. They basically picked up where they left off last week. And Roman Reigns, at the end of this segment, added a stipulation where if he doesn't leave SummerSlam with the Universal Championship, he will leave WWE. So I thought it was a tremendous end to the go-home show, this interaction between both of them. But the added stipulation for Reigns 
it basically gives away the finish of the match, not in yeah. a way that angers me necessarily, but we assumed Reigns was winning. So why go so far and create a stipulation where you basically tell us he's going to win? And then if he doesn't win and Cena actually wins the 17th championship, which I thought was more plausible given the release of Ric Flair than I did prior to that happening, then why do the stipulation? Is Roman Reigns leaving WWE? I mean, it does create a curiosity. I don't think his contract is up. I don't see why he would ever leave the company. I <laughs> hope. Not like me I, I'm just saying. I, I'm just. But, but I'm also saying. I hope, given his medical history, there's nothing legitimately wrong with him. No, but, I don't. Think, uh, but I don't if think it's not any of those things, then I don't know why you add the stipulation. I really don't. Uh, because he wants people to think he's going to leave WWE and follow CM Punk to prove that CM Punk was not as over as he thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I, I I it was I love the promo I love that Roman got into it that was the one thing I I, I we didn't see last week is Roman's just kind of cocky about the whole thing and that's how this started off but then he showed that edge not to not not that edge but he showed that ferocity a bit that we hadn't yet seen with him and Cena and I got into it and then they throw that stipulation on there and you're like oh well I guess. Like, we knew Roman was going to win, but there was a part of the back of your mind where you're thinking, hey, if WWE's going to ever give him 17, this is when you do it. But now there's no way. Now, now it's the kind of stipulation where I, I don't get it. Like, you know, when, when Cody put that stipulation on that he'd never challenge for the AEW title if he lost, and we all thought that meant he was going to win, and, and then he lost. Like, that that's different than this. Like, where's, Roman Reigns is not leaving the company. It's well, I mean, let's not forget John Cena has been in stipulations like this before. Yeah. Um, and where he's lost, but he'll get and then been there the next week and like won the championship like two weeks later. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, because, well, yes, he lost to CM Punk in 2011. So he got fired, but then he got brought hired back a couple weeks later or something. I what was that when Vince got let go or something like that in kayfabe? I don't know. They're not going down that path again. It it was a it's a completely unnecessary stipulation to. So imagine. you think it's just one hundred percent a total like swerve to just create anticipation for SummerSlam? No, I I, I well, do, do I think that's what they think it is? Yes, but it doesn't for me. To me, no, no, all. right, no. I'm saying is, do you think that's their intention? I think that's their intention. Yes. Okay. To to make you think something could happen, but to us smarks. It telegraphs the finish when I, I wish we hadn't gotten that. Well, we're going to have to see. I, I, I do say that. I don't want to say it creates doubt in my mind because, again, why would you do that with a guy like Roman Reigns where it doesn't make any sense that he would leave? But maybe, you know, you, you just don't know in WWE or wrestling. Things are wild right now in this company, right? Um, so you don't know what is possible, what could happen. Or why it could happen. And again, given Roman Reigns' unique medical history, God forbid, knock on wood, I would do it right now except my dog would bark. Um, maybe, God forbid, right? Maybe there's something there. So I, 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 see, I don't think they put that into a storyline, though. No, 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 not in a storyline, but that would write him off. And then later... Well, yes, but then we're going to find then we're gonna find out eventually. It'll, right, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's, 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 no, it's just I, weird. I, it, it, it doesn't create doubt in my mind, really, who's going to win. 
But it does it take kind of it the takes same away time, the, it takes away the doubt in my mind. It, it seems to take away unless there's something else at stake here that we're not considering. And and that's the only thing I can think of. Um, they have something to shock us coming out of that. Uh I, I mean, look, there could be a scenario where let's just spitball, book the damn territory. <laughs> we're booking the bit. territory here now. Yeah, let's book the damn territory. <laughs> he made that stipulation, right? He beat Cena. Big E earlier in the night steals his money in the bank briefcase back from Corbin, cashes it in, beats Reigns, and Reigns can kind of come back and say, well, yo, the stipulation was if Cena beats me for the championship, right? I'm just saying there's all these different machinations that theoretically they could do. And again, we have to talk about it from the, the, the standpoint of WWE booking. This isn't like us booking in a total rational mind. WWE does book things in a way where they're screwy and irrational. In fact, Bianca Belair basically said on the show tonight, I appreciated it. They're like, hey, why are you fighting Zelina Vega and Carmella one-on-one in back-to-back matches? And she's like, well, it maybe wasn't the most rational thing that I decided. Like, yeah, that's not rational booking either, Bianca, right? So I'm just I'm just spitballing ways that it could actually come into play is what I'm saying. Uh, here, I would have made one change and it's Roman saying, I am so sick of you. If I win, you leave WWE for good because we know Cena's going back. uh, He's going back away. But that puts more doubt in in your mind of, oh, maybe maybe Cena could win because they're not going to have Cena leave, leave. Right. Like, I think that would have added more anticipation if you do it the other way. Roman is not leaving. We know he's not going anywhere. Would I love to be surprised? Sure, I guess for sure. Obviously, that's what we want. But no, I, I don't I don't think this means anything except for. Roman trying to put a little bit more, a little bit more in the in, in the in the game a little bit because Casina got under his skin and so he's going to put that on the line. I think that's all it was. Reigns did do a good job in that promo. Speaking of getting under the skin, where he was like talking, getting really really excited and angry, and then all of a sudden he caught himself and calmed down mm-hmm. and finished the rest of the promo. He he really did do great character work. And this was you know to wrap this up because uh, we did go five minutes over already. Uh, this it this was a very good go home show for SmackDown. I had some issues with some of the match booking and the time and the allotment and all that. But to get excited for a pay per view, they did a great job. Yes, and, and and one other thing about Roman, his comments about Punk, his comments about Moxley. I know people got all in a tissy about it on Twitter, but I love it. I want him to believe that. I like what him and Cena said last week on uh, on SmackDown in their promo. It goes back to what I was saying before. Wrestling is going to be better if WWE finds its edge because AEW's jabbing it. And if Roman's going to say stuff like that, is he wrong? Yeah, but I love the fact that he said it. Well, that yeah, but he, me, he fully that, said that in character. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. That yeah. tells me there's an edge. There's a fire in there. And at least at least him is not going to take this AEW stuff standing down and he's going to he's going to punch back a little bit. And I love that. And it's why I think this is this is a great time to be a wrestling fan right now. This weekend of wrestling is just getting started, not just in the world of wrestling itself, but here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. We have so much left for you. So let me run down what is still to come this week on Getting Over Saturday, 630 p.m. Eastern. We will have a live WWE SummerSlam preview. It will last 30 minutes and it will be hosted by Twitter 
spaces. All you need to do is follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We will post a announcement about the show earlier in the day so you can set yourself a reminder. But all you need to do is be online uh, on your phone, computer, wherever, wherever you can access Twitter. 6.30 p.m. You'll be able to click, listen live, and maybe even participate in our WWE SummerSlam preview. Then as soon as SummerSlam goes off the air, Chris and I will be back in podcast form doing what you all love, instant analysis of a pay-per-view. We will publish that as soon as we can after SummerSlam goes off the air. And then we're going to repeat that entire process on Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, live NXT TakeOver 36 pre-show. All you need to do is follow us at Getting Overcast on Twitter. That will be live on Twitter Spaces as well. And then immediately after TakeOver goes off the air, we will have instant analysis of that show for you in podcast form. We have so much left this week. Of course, we'll be back Tuesday with WWE. We'll be back Thursday after that talking NXT and AEW. We'll talk about the rest of Rampage and Dynamite. We have so much wrestling coming this weekend and throughout the rest of the week. It's time to close the shop down today. So a reminder... Follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And don't forget what Getting Over is all about. So leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. Just thank us for doing all these extra shows for you. It's the least that you can do, and it will really, really help the show. Five, 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 five. It is all about the five. So for Vintage Chris Vanini, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. We will see you Saturday night. But for now, I'm going to leave you with just three words. Bye for now.